my fucking cookies! <laughs> Motorcycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah, it was. It was fucking sunny. It was perfect. It was really nice. I woke up at 9 o'clock with the sun blasting right in my face. You passed out in the field again, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> my pants, my, they, were, they were missing. I was sore. I don't know what was <laughs> going on. Woke up at 9 o'clock wearing somebody else's trousers. I again, smelled so I bad. Was, was it the cows that woke you up? <laughs> Me to know you to find out. <laughs> Last time that goat am, that goat ate your I shoe. I am a friend of man and beast. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means, but all right. All right, we went there. Everybody. No. God damn it. Hey everyone, Hello. this is Liza, and I am a beast. <laughs> Beastly feet. Yeah, you certainly are. A moose, as it were. Also in the room tonight. It's not. Hey, how you guys doing? Tell us about the goat in your <laughs> The goat. Biria. <laughs> Running the board tonight. It's Bagel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's a livestock in Oh, my God. I just realized you thought it was a cow that was licking you. Calm your tits. Wow. <laughs> You heard about that girl and the, and the dog and the peanut butter? No. Yeah. What? <laughs> All right. Uh, On the classy girl couch tonight, it's Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. <laughs> wow. Contain yourself. I'm trying very hard. <laughs> and sitting as far away as he can on the couch. Smart man. It's Joe. Hey, everyone. Mm-hmm. Hello, Joe. Hey, Joe. Joe, welcome. Uh, you spent the day here with us. Yeah, it was a blast. You made good yeah. on your threats. You showed up. <laughs> I did show up, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We met you at Aim Expo last year. Yes. In Vegas. But you don't live there or here. No, no. I live in Seattle. And you just made your way here. Yeah, I was down here. Uh, my wife is visiting a college friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20 years is the last time they met. Whoa. So they're catching up, and I right, do not dude. want to be a third wheel, so I took the two wheels and, and skedaddled. That's awfully and cool of you, you dude. got yourself a bike off a Twisted Road, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. I did. Fantastic. Sweet. And it's it's been it's been great. Did the PCH in the morning and then drove up here. Or rode Which up was here. better, PCH or spending the day with us? Uh, no, spending the day. Hey! Oh, good answer. <laughs> the check is in the mail, sir. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, you had some fun uh, today hanging out. You got to eat in the taqueria, got to do a bunch of stuff. Even uh, you got a little bit of a lecture and a lesson from me. I did, and it was a valuable <laughs> lesson. <laughs> right. Hey, what did you lecture him on? Uh, that no bike is too big. He said, because uh, well. uh, he was looking at the verses, and he said, yeah, it's nice, but it's too big for me. Mm-hmm. And I reminded him. That's not true. And we really need to get people out of that frame of mind. Uh, A lot of women say that, that there are bikes that are too big for them and they're not capable of riding them, as well as people with short legs like Joe. Let's just call it. 
And um, mm. I want people to stop saying that because the answer is you just need to know the right technique. I think it's commensurate with experience. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I know he, it's, it's going to distill down to Jocelyn Slow, yeah. but Jocelyn has been writing for a very long time. I think it's actually, a multi, multifactorial kind of a factor actually, thing. Actually, I learned that technique from Pat Jakes, ADV Women, woman. Right. Um, and so, Joe, I took you out on the tallest bike I have, uh, the CRF250. That was the tallest one? I thought you took him on the KLR. No. Well, yeah, I mean, the CRF is pretty tall. Yeah. And here's the thing. We had two things working against us. One, I had the seat concept seat, which is a sticky seat. Mm. And two, he's got some riding pants on that are a sticky butt. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Super sticky. Sticky. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm, That's how we like it around here. So (laughs) the technique is to sense which way the bike is falling towards and instead of putting your foot down and waiting for the ground to come to you you slide your hips off the bike keeping the opposite leg on the peg and get your foot to the ground first and it's a repetitive thing you need to train your body to do that and joe for you i think uh it was a good example it's quite uncomfortable at first and you're unsure but then you start getting into the right position and finding that like he was standing there with his hand off the bar perfectly comfortable mm-hmm. holding the bike mm-hmm. something you probably didn't think you could do no i was uh, i was pleasantly surprised at how easy it was to to manage the bike after a while i mean initially it was a little scary it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a tall bike and uh, short legs and as soon as I got the hang of it, I was I was really happy, and I'm pleased to to say that I'll probably now have a new bike in my stable, and that'll make my wife terribly happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, like when, when you were side saddling, it wasn't it, when you were side saddling, it wasn't that much of a reach, right? You were able to get like yeah, like a half a cheek off. No, I think or, the the hardest thing to do, yeah, I could, it, it, it's not too bad. And right. The hardest thing for me to do is to remember to keep the other the opposite foot right. on the peg, yeah, because that really gives you a lot of stability. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think after I find I got that through my my thick skull. I was I was doing okay, and and I'm, I'm very comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah and just to uh, reiterate that, everyone's uh, usually focusing on the foot that is reaching for the ground. But the and they use the other foot usually goes up in the air as like counterbalance of their body. But if you get that foot locked in on the peg, you can actually push down with your you know uphill side foot and bring the bike back up. And it just gives it a lot more stability and really anchors you in. Yeah, it makes you realize that you do really have to have situational awareness of where you put your foot down. I mean, that's just like motorcycles, you know? Just know where you're putting your foot and what you're going to do next kind of thing. Yeah, it's very interesting. Every single person who I've taught this technique to, when they first start doing it, their other foot is just up in the air. And it's <laughs> yeah. doing nothing. But that's what people are used to. And that's the example of just learning learning some techniques so i'm glad you had that and um i would hope that more schools start teaching this technique yeah i i guess so i mean like they don't have a school for small people big bikes kind of a thing you know it's mostly for like just experience in general i guess yeah i just don't want people to say that there are bikes that are not for them because it's too big yeah, that that's the simple thing. Learn the technique in any bike is for you. And in my case, it was keeping me out of a class of bike, a complete complete class. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was staying away from anything that could be an adventure bike or a right. dual sport, just staying away. And now I, I'm I'm excited because now I can you know make the the change and and, and work on becoming an experienced uh, off road rider. 
Well, that's fucking great, dude. Good job. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good job. Um, I wanted to talk. Well, let's just get into real quickly. Um, Knock, you took a trip last week. Emma and I took a trip. Dude, we all do Um, trips, man. Yeah, that was summertime. It's the time, yeah. It's the time. And Jim is on a trip right now. But let's um, knock. Are you, you want to share some about your trip? Because you came back um, with broken bits. I, <laughs> things and odds and ends. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I took a trip to visit my friend Sam in McMinnville, Oregon uh, last week. Um, I arrived on Thursday. I, actually, what I did was I first rented a van, <clears throat> like call. a box van, and uh, put my XR and my Ninja 650 in there and visited Sam. And uh, I arrived on Thursday. We went up uh for a ride on Friday, and uh, the places we went to were Oregon's got some amazing freaking roads because, first of all, some of them are like former logging roads and um, they're maintained really well, and so they have really great sight lines and they're just wonderful roads and a lot of that stuff is in a mountain range so they're nice and twisty if you know where to go uh we went to highway 224 to detroit lake on saturday and then uh then we went to highway what was it highway 34 and mary's peak and if you don't know what mary's peak is it's i think it's the highest point in east or western oregon and if you're at the very top you could see all the way to the ocean and it's it was an amazing ride up and an amazing ride down um Sunday, we uh, went and I rode on the track at McMinnville, the McMinnville Mac track. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, it was fun. Like, it was hot. Uh, I had my XR and I had my Ninja 650. Found out that I was a lot faster on my Ninja 650 than on my uh, XR. Um, and, uh, yeah. But um, what was cool about that track was uh, it's almost three times the size of Stockton racetrack which is our local um cart track um and there was a front street where you were able to get to maybe to 75 to 80 miles an hour if uh you know on a 650 600 and uh and the way they had it set up for supermoto like it was a front straight and then a hard right turn which was like a 95 plus degrees turn so basically a switchback and um yeah, it was it was a good time. I I crashed twice. Uh, I was supposed to not be going balls out, and I, I tried my best to not go balls out. Which I, you know, I think <laughs> I did mostly a good job doing that. Uh, I just like I just didn't take my own advice when I was out and riding. I uh, initially uh, the first crash. I ass-packed a guy going into a turn. No. Oh. Yeah, I was following him. Uh, he was on a 690 Duke, which is actually, believe it, it's, it's not hard to believe, but it's a fast bike. It's actually faster in the straights than my Ninja 650. Um, did, you, did you ask him on a second date? No, I did not. Well, you know what? I got his name and number, though. Hey. No, uh, what happened was uh, I, I was following him uh, for like two, three laps, and Found out that he had decent pace and he was actually going faster per lap, and he was braking later for this particular turn. And I just stuck with him, and I'm like, cool. And uh, and this particular time, he actually broke earlier than usual and took a different line. And so, in order to avoid ass packing him, I had to brake really hard. It didn't work, <laughs> <laughs> so I hit him in the tail tidy and I pushed him off the track. Uh, apparently, he didn't actually like crash his bike. He just kind of rolled off the track and hopped off and the bike fell down mm. and uh, i washed my front end out and smashed my front headlight and oh. i felt really bad about it 
<laughs> I mean, hitting him. So I got his name and number, and uh, I sent him a new tail tidy and new uh, new turn signals and uh, plate light. That was the first crash. But it hurts less when you crash an ugly bike. <laughs> yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Well, 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 it's like the bike is uglier now. I mean, it's got extra dents <laughs> in the tank, right? But uh, I found out that that bike was super fucking capable, and uh, it's like uh, for a 2006 motorcycle with you know really nice suspension. It it, it did it you know it did a good job on a track like that. Yeah, cool. I was roasting the tires pretty good. Um, second tra- uh, second crash was uh, I was actually about to head in. I was in a set of turns. I lost focus for like a microsecond, and I just washed the front end out. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here going, and I'm in the middle of the turn. I'm going, I'm, I'm tired. I should go in. And the next uh, thing I knew, I was on the ground. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I, think I might have chopped throttle or like gassed it uh, coming out of the turn. And mm. bike fell on me fell on my leg and i was trapped under the bike oh crap and uh i kind of like sat there for like two minutes thinking oh i'm trapped i can't move and eventually somebody stopped and like picked the bike up off me and you know i carted my sorry ass off to the hot pits and (laughs) that was that but like i was like i hadn't eaten lunch that day i wasn't drinking water and it was like two o'clock and it was fucking hot as shit yeah i should have just Take it. I should have fucking listened to my body and listened to myself. Yeah, and you got to do pull that. Out. Yeah. Yep. Can I point out what you did do right? Uh, what? What? Did, I did something right. You did. <laughs> what did I do? Well, you're here today now, so that means you were wearing the right gear. Yeah. Uh, Especially when you say the bike was trapped on you. Yeah. <clears throat> so you, uh, your boots I, did the job? The boots did the job. All I got is a little bit of a rash. My knee's a little sore. I can't bend my right knee completely all the way, but it's just like I know everything's... My knees are nice and floating, so <laughs> I know they're not fucked <laughs> up, you know? Right. Yeah. But... Uh, uh, yeah, pay attention to your body. Take your time and uh, don't go balls out so much. Did you take the XR on it? I took the XR on it, and you know what? Um, that bike has apparently gearing issues, and it just wasn't geared properly, and it was a <laughs> bit of a handful for some reason. I mean, there were guys I was trying to keep up with, and I couldn't do it on that bike, but like, it was no problem on my, my 650. It's funny because you've like built that bike out to be the perfect bike, and the uh, the Ninja is just like a cheap bike you bought off of a friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny because like that bi- the, the XR is set up for fun, fast street riding, and mm-hmm. it's cool to slide in the turns on like Highway 236, and it's just a dumb, fun goon bike. But when you get on the track, it starts mattering. Like your gearing matters, and where your power band matters, and 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 your suspension setup. It's just, it just was a handful for a track that big. But like for some reason, my Ninja 650, even though it had more horsepower, it was just easier to manage. I mean, it was just, it just you know, less suspension travel. Blah 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 blah. But yeah, no, I was I was sliding that thing around pretty good, and it was fun, and uh, you know, yeah. I uh, good trip. It was a good trip. I, uh, my friend Sam has three cats, and I'm allergic to cats, so I was on fucking cat drugs the whole time, but oh, man. I thought I'd just put that in there for shits and giggles. Tell, tell me something. Um, does it count as a crash if your knees or butts never hit the knees or butt never hits the ground? Um, I don't know, but my helmet never touched the ground. That's how slow those, cra- those crashes were. That's... I, I'm trying to determine if technically Emma crashed on our trip or not. 
Oh, no, what? I, I crashed. You did? Is that a crash? Oh. <laughs> I didn't know. It was graceful, but yeah. I wanted. <laughs> did, you, did you drop the bike or what? No, no not mine. Oh. No. Actually, no. The, and the, technically, the bike never fell over. No, the bike And your butt never touched the ground. It's not a crash. Wait, did you talk about this last week? No. Oh. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, what the fuck, man? I, I wadded. No, we we had a wonderful weekend. Yeah. No, so yeah, Emma and I went down to L.A. We did a uh, bunch of re- uh, interviews bunch down of stuff, there, and I'm going to be releasing that one separately. It just took a little little while to edit that together. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but we were at the Honda Training Center and le- learning how to ride dirt bikes and mm. uh, on a hill climb. Emma did, I was out, in the wrong I gear. Out, <clears throat> I ran out of bike. I was on a very small capacity bike. And we were, you know, we were doing berms, and that was just fine. Oh, this was at the facility? Yes. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so that doesn't count, really. And suddenly, yeah. our instructor just disappears up this really steep incline. I thought, <laughs> right, I'm following him. But I was in second, and I should be in, in first. And I was only on a 100cc bike, and mm. it gets about halfway up the hill, and it's like, <gasps> I've had enough. Yeah. And I knew it was coming, so I just aimed for a bush. Yeah. And I, I just threw the bike threw into the bike a bush, into the like, bush and walked away. And she like jumped <laughs> off and ran down the hill. I'm like, well, technically, not a crash. I've seen you worse. You just parked the bike it's, there. It's a creative parking job. Yeah, it was yeah. a creative parking job. <laughs> I've seen worse survival instincts kick in. Like, <laughs> no, let's so. go into a bush is usually pretty pretty okay like yeah you know I, mean? I mean you like, know it's, it's soft it, you know exactly and i had visions of the bike sort of cartwheeling down the hill with me entangled with it so i thought <laughs> bush it is you were thinking ahead that's important yeah exactly good, good so um we had such a good time and i want to talk about some of the high points mm-hmm. but um i want to give let's give away some stuff yes we got from honda um really cool nice backpack and you know we're gonna do um, a complete standalone episode because our, it was such an epic adventure. But Honda were the most gracious hosts. They were wonderful. Mm-hmm. And they gave us so much swag to give away. Yeah, so, um, so I got this really nice riding backpack. It's got a lot of nice pockets and it also has the waist, the waist um, it's belt a nice, on it. It's a nice piece of kit. It's, um, yeah, I also cool. got... Not, I'm going to give this to you. Oh, what is this? Oh, they gave yeah. us some uh, Nikki Hayden shirts. Dude, this is cool. It's a it's a Nikki Hayden shirt. It says 2006 MotoGP Championship, and it has the Kentucky Kid in the front. Yeah, it's an HRC shirt, bro. I'm gonna and I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw one of these in the backpack along yeah, with um, oh one of my latest Chinese purchases, y'all. Check it out. <laughs> I got a bunch of dude, these this, cool keychains. This, cool. this is like oh my god, this is neat. They are. I got these keychains and they have helmets. Dude, on them. This fits g- gerbils. Yeah, yeah, I know. Totally fits. Oh, yeah, it's a perfect size helmet for a hamster. I, yeah, that's exactly. exactly. Or, or, or a hamster your, helmet. Or your Barbie, you know. Oh, this is cool. They're just little keychains. I yeah. got these to throw in. Um, I'm going to throw a couple other little swag things in there, but here's how it's going to work. Unfortunately, to those listening, it has probably already been answered because I'm going to post it on Facebook right now. Mm. So let's see. Mm. Uh, I got everyone. St- I got a bunch of people standing by waiting for a question to come. Are we going to go with the... Uh... Yeah, let's do that because I wanted to tie this in. Yeah. Um, so I want you to all pay attention very, very carefully. A couple of weeks ago, um, I did a history hole on the 750 Honda. More specifically, the 750 single overhead. This helmet cam- is not dot rated. <laughs> sorry, sorry, go ahead. Shut up, knock. <laughs> the single overhead cam 750 Honda. 
So basically from 1969 to 1978. My question for the Honda Schwag, what CC is the 750 Honda single overhead cam? Hint, it's not actually exactly. 750. What CC <laughs> is the single overhead cam 750 Honda? All right, I posted it. I'll check in a second and to see. If, if you actually ride one, it is written on the front of the cylinders. Mm. We'll see if we who the first uh, correct answer is, and it's going to get a bag of swag. The fastest so, with the Google. <clears throat> so I mean, we had a great trip, and we um, had a great one trip. of the things we didn't really talk about is the bikes that we rode down there. Uh huh. And. <laughs> I chose to ride. Suitability or lack thereof. I chose to ride the bike I call Whitey. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, my so 990 uh, KTM uh, SMT. Uh, they had all the bags to be able to take extra stuff. I took recording equipment, stuff like that. Mm. And uh, it's it's set up for me. It's on a road cross country, quite comfortable. I just enjoy riding it. Now, you know. That bike, though, I mean, I spent a lot of time looking at that bike, and much as I like it, it has got a bit of an identity crisis. I mean, oh, how so? Do you think it's a touring bike? Do you think it's a standard? Do you think it's an adventure bike? What is it? it well, it's not an adventure bike. It is a. Not with that attitude. <clears throat> no, but it has an adventure package on it that Jocelyn put on. Um, really, it's a. It's a. Supermoto Touring SMT. It says it in the title. Yeah, it's like their mega supermoto. Because what yeah. what year was that bike? Two thousand and twelve. Okay, yeah. You know, it's okay. it, it it it's a great bike. I mean, there's no question about that. But you know, I was kind of scrunching my eyes up and looking at it and thinking, you know, it's I'm really struggling to make out what it is. And I think it's a better bike for it because yeah. it has no definite identity. It's, it's just yeah, it's, it's a it's a big white bike. It's yeah, it's got like a nine ninety power plant, but the suspension is some closer to like an enduro like less than an yeah, like you're like what it's got a lot of adventure bike in it. Yeah. But it's not an adventure bike, and it hasn't got the dimensions of an adventure bike yeah. either. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a thingy. It's like a 900-something <clears throat> CC supermoto, I guess. I guess that's what they're trying to sell right. it as, right? Meanwhile. Like, okay, we have, a, we have an issue with our little trivia. Yes. Well, Katie Hall, our yes. listener Katie Hall, answered correctly. Well, there you are, then. Except she's in Australia. Yeah. <clears throat> and the last time she won something, it cost me 70 bucks ah. to send it to her. You <laughs> fucked up, man. <laughs> hey, you, you hey, Katie. Fucked you up. I am not spending 70 bucks to send you some free swag. I hate to say it. No. I should have uh, said. No, Liza, you, you got it. You got it. In, in America. Liza, you got it. You got to follow through in your word. Yeah, quit you, being you a already bitch. denied her once, right? Okay. I did not say I would send it. I said you would win it. So, Katie, oh. come pick it up anytime. <laughs> <laughs> That is technically correct, and that is the best kind of correct. But you know, well, right. done. so so if somebody wants to start a GoFundMe for uh, Katie's uh, post Okay, wait, we have some more answers though. Oh, so Katie said seven hundred and thirty-six cc's. Correcto, Katie. William Lewis says seven hundred and thirty-eight cc's. Incorrecto. Mike Olson says seven hundred and thirty-six point six. Ooh. 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 And Aronde Lopez says 736 EC. Yes, I mean, come on, guys. Points just come along now. My question was better. <laughs> and what was your question, Nock? <laughs> Where do the racers park 
their bikes after winning a MotoGP race. The top three podium winners, where do they park their bikes? Everyone knows that. Wherever they bloody want. In the winner's (laughs) circle. What is the name of the winner's circle? The circle of winners. (laughs) I will accept that answer. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, no, we've got winners. There's an actual name for that. No, we've we've got winners. I mean, well done, Katie, for knowing that. But I mean, bloody hell. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to give her a great excuse to come over and collect your swag. So, Katie, I'm sending you an apology right now. I'm not going to ship it to you. I'm going to go to the next winner. Aw, Liza. Hey, Katie, we love you dearly. We love you. <laughs> but we don't really not, love you that much. Barely. Oh, not, not $70 much. Yeah. <laughs> so here's, here's the only question, though. Is the answer 736.6? No, it's 736. 736. Just 736. You're sure? 736. 736 is the Honda specification. And the truth is, if you are a mathematician, you you may be able to get the sweat volume to 736.6. However, Mm -hmm. Honda have specified from day one that the single overhead cam, 754, was 736 cc's. As written... On the front of the cylinders. All right. All right. So um, I'm going to send uh, them a message and announce the winner. Um, but in the meantime, Emma, let's get a report on how your bike held up on the trip to LA. Oh, the bike <coughs> held up fantastic. I mean, I, I rode my beloved Rufus, which is a 1994 Suzuki RF900R. Um, interesting bike. I mean, it was a terrible seller for Suzuki, not least because they look a little strange. Um, very much a sport tourer. Mm. Um, it's comp- its closest competition with Honda uh, VFRs. Um, but a, it's fantastic bike. Smooth, quiet, um, handles well, brakes well. Um, not the most comfortable bike I've ridden long distance. Mm. It is quite sporty in terms of the position. I mean, it's not R1 sporty. You got good wind protection, though, right? I yeah, mean, I mean, you know, okay. no, you're kind of in the wind a little bit. It's, okay. It, noise is a big problem. Um, oh, what, buffeting noise? like Buffeting oh, okay. noise is a huge problem. And in fact, one of the reasons I didn't come back and do the podcast on Sunday was actually I was deaf. And I was deaf. Did you, did you wear, do you wear earplugs when you ride? I don't. You should wear earplugs. Well, the you problem know, like, is, over the years, I've gotten so used to... You, Hearing my environment around me yeah. has gotten me out of the shit so many times. I fully get that, but like I know with the right kind of earplugs, it's just like it just turns it's turned down. Well, you know, like, you know the frequencies frequencies don't the, really change. The, the the trip was a first for a lot of things. Me, me riding dirt and enjoying mm. dirt, and I think I'm going to have to go down that route mm-hmm. because Sunday night. I really couldn't hear at all. Mm. Most of Monday, I was really having problems as well. Oh, geez. Just about everybody who was talking to me sounded like the teacher out of Charlie Brown. Oh, you were actually getting the tinnitus. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, that's not um, good, and then it was really low frequency stuff. Oh, so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to go. If I do any more trips like that. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it, it was a great trip. Um, okay. We were cruising 
quite quickly. Yeah, what was your average speed going down there? No, um, like I'm not sure. 138. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's, that's what um, I do. No, and I wanted to um, say that that was something that worked out well. Whenever you're riding with someone else, matching riding styles is always hard. Um, yeah. And Nobody I get I get frustrated and just want to go faster. And Emma was right there the whole time. It didn't matter what kind of shenanigans I was pulling, getting through traffic or yeah. <laughs> doing bullshit. She was capable enough to just always be there and I never had to worry about her. Yeah, and I mean with with our riding style is actually quite similar and we we were in very very tight formation most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um and you guys it, took 5 down, right? No. no. No, we took 101 down oh, and then we took 5 back as far as Lost Hills to 46. Interesting. Mm. And then we cut across 46 via 41. Got to make up and some time. And then picked huh? up 101 and uh um on the way back. But it got to the stage on the way back. I mean, Liza wasn't even really checking her mirrors when mm. when she was changing lanes because she knew I'd be there and I'd just be kind of protecting her backside. And I was kind of moving across for the open lane before she was even thinking yeah. about it mm-hmm. because we were just kind of working together. It worked really well. And um, this is debatable, but according to Emma, I guess I sideswiped a bunch of cars. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 no. I fucking bags? Well, no, hang on. <laughs> yeah. ha- I'd say sideswiped or crashed is quite <laughs> an exaggeration. Term. Wait, no. You, the, you brushed we, against a couple of cars. Were your bags different colors them. at the end of this trip? Is that what I well, know? Well, she made um, a very, very well-dressed... Um, nice-looking lady in a Mercedes-Benz, extremely angry. Oh. Um, and I saw her turn bright red and start yelling to herself and then dialing her phone. I know. I only know of two cars that I tapped. <laughs> but in my know. defense, I was stopped and trying to slowly navigate past two mirrors. Right. And so I had to lean the bike over to get around one mirror, and I oh tapped a car. God. And I pivoted the bars, and I leaned over to get past the other mirror, tapped the car. So I wasn't moving. Right. It was just, I was, it was such, I mean, so tight. Uh, uh, yeah, I know that. And yeah, this okay. was very, Bar very low-speed stuff. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah I know what you're talking when about. When the traffic stopped at a, tra- at a traffic light, and we're kind of navigating through the middle doing it at walking pace. That's when it was happening. I thought, I'm thinking like a full-on pannier swap. Like, whoop <laughs> no, 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 that no. one I was just I had stopped to navigate past their mirrors yeah, very slowly. That's, yeah, that's okay. So you're just leaning the bike over to make mm-hmm. sure I cleared mirrors. That's all. Um, but <laughs> but Emma said mirrors. that there were a couple more that I maybe kind of brushed against, but I was not aware of them. No, and that's fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> so therefore, it didn't happen. But you know, I love LA. I love the biking scene down there. Mm. But Fuck the that traffic. traffic yeah. Do my it's head in. Dog shit. Yep. I've you been. Know, I've gone through it, and it's. it's uh, Horrendous. Oh, dude. And you know, the funny part is everyone I know in L.A. Is grumbles about Bay Area traffic as well. Yeah. And it's just, it's a different vibe. Yeah. And my, I think if you're used to L.A. traffic, you're okay with it. My, my take on it is there's, the traffic in the Bay Area is bad, but in L.A. it's a, it's the same bad, but there's just more of it. Yeah. Well, this it's a bigger, the, it's a bigger place. Right. right. There's exactly. eight lanes of it instead of five. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And. Emma, what would you say would be the perfect bike for navigating around? A narrow LA? one. I, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, um, that kid was here with his Duke 390, and I was Probably eyeballing that perfect. and going, oh, mm-hmm. where was that bike? I, I would that. say 
because you don't need a massive amount of power, especially mm. if you're going across the city, mm-hmm. because you're never yeah. going to be going above 55, 60, although it'd be nice to be able to whip it up to about 80, 90 on the freeways. Mm-hmm. So it's really two bikes. If you're just a city street person, 390 Duke be perfect. Just so you were perfect. in Torrance, which is still kind of like L.A. proper area, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we went right. to Torrance, San Colton, Bernardino, Colton, Colton, Hollywood. Damn, you guys um, did the loop, huh? Oh, yeah. And then we went back down to L.A. for Lucky Wheels, which is right off kind of Los Angeles yeah. Street oh, Union Station. Cool. Did you hang out with Ashley and Jay at all? Or no, you just kind no, of... No, okay. was, no. Just a um, quick visit. <clears throat> okay. I will say, though... Um, down there on the freeways, they have the ex- I guess the express lane, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a solid double yellow yep. line that there's there. only certain points you can get in and out of that lane, mm-hmm. which made a wider gap between the the right. furthest left lane and the lane next to it, which was where all the motorcycle. It's like the motorcycle express lane. And they, the, those guys, oh, dude, rip. Like we were doing. 10 maybe 20 miles an hour above the cars these guys would come through doing easily 30 over like oh yeah like cars are doing like yeah just going so fast but here's what i didn't like about it there was a huge crack in the pavement right there mm-hmm. and my, your wheels kept falling right. into that crack and you're trying to like go oh. between cars and you're parallel to the back. road uh, no in where that between those two lanes oh, yeah, there's yeah, a okay. giant crack got it yeah, yeah. Oh, well the i mean the la system they make those freeways up of slabs and obviously yeah. you know the the the, the express lane but um, it certainly gives you confidence because, you know, I, I'm told there's a massive fine if somebody wants to actually kind of go over those double white lines. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a $600 fine. So everybody kind of stays put. So you can actually lane split with some impunity. Yeah. Um, I mean, see what you want about Los Angeles mm-hmm. County. Though. There's like 4 million people, according to this, but they all have like an automotive, like, uh, car commuting culture around mm-hmm. it because they have to. So they tend to generally kind of know what they're doing right maybe a little bit you know i generally i found the driving standard to be pretty good down there 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 wasn't any scary moments just with downright shitty driving right um but it 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 ain't for beginners let me tell you for sure so i just wanted to give some of the highlights so give people something to look forward to when we i put that um that that recording out um we were guests of honda went down to honda headquarters which is huge uh they don't use golf carts to get around to different buildings they use honda ridge lanes yeah how, <laughs> how many acres they, they have parked that, there that oh facility. it's it's like Hundreds. a city in itself honda. yeah because yeah. it's yeah. there was a track there was a dirt track there was no a that was motor. a different different city oh yeah different. yeah well, this is just the honda hq and this is honda USA. This is right. It covers cars, cars, generators, everything. Honda jets, <clears throat> everything. Um, great, great time there. And then um, uh, we went over to. Where did we go after that? We went to after Honda. I- oh, iconic, iconic motors. Moto? So yeah, iconic motorbikes. Walked in there. Great place. And then uh, we went down. Wait, to... what does iconic motor do again? They're. Um, they are well he's primarily a dealer but he's a, a collector dealer. as well yeah so a, yeah he's kind of heavily involved in the what i call the forgotten era the sort of late 80s early yeah. 90s super bikes carbureted um 
all the power, yeah. still marginal handling. It's something that's on the brink of collectability. And what he's done is he's taken the perfect examples. So he's got like RC51s with no miles on them. Mm. ZX9s and ZX750s, really early ones. Yeah, you'll with like find, under 2,000 miles, just the best Yeah, you'll find best. like low mileage R1s and Jixxer 750s next to very high-end like, uh, you know, Ducatis and I, stuff. You yeah, know. I saw an NC30 there. Yeah, <clears throat> and some cool. other classics. That was They were really cool and um, we went to, is that when we, oh, that's when we went to the ship the ship yes. you got a five pound lobster it was a four yeah so we went down to the queen mary stayed there had a wonderful <laughs> <Yeah>. night <laughs> i went in the lobster they should really warn you when it's a four pound lobster yeah i'll get you on, a, on an eight Florida. pound plate you polished it off it I, was, I was completely impressed great evening and then um the next day we went to the honda facility in colton where we got our dirt training thank you june for that i appreciate it um did you learn some cool new shit also, and thank you to Colin at Honda for yeah, setting Yeah, Colin was a up. cool cat. June was a cool cat. And yeah, we learned a lot of new shit. And um, it was all new to me because mm-hmm. I've never had an interest in dirt. I've regarded myself from day one as a street rider. Mm-hmm. And I've never, you know, it's dirt. It's something that some other people do. And we went to uh, Chaparral. Motorsports. Biggest dealership in the world. You know, that is debatable. I looked that up. There's a lot of people who claim that, but it was the largest one I have ever seen in my life. And just the gear room was like a Macy's. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. And they did they did had boots and helmets and a whole nother room. Um, that was like a footlocker. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I noticed it, it was the, like a mall. Really uh, yeah, I, I noticed the photos that everything was nice and orderly, and it wasn't like a mall in the, on a weekend in the sense where there's just shit everywhere and everything's like disorganized, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? No, I mean, Bunch we, of kids running around, like, going crazy. No, everything... No, we were the kids running yeah. around. <laughs> um, no, everything was very, very clean, very well laid yeah. out, um, very heavy on staff. They've got a lot of staff. That's Everybody good. obviously takes pride in their little area and keeps it neat and tidy for sure. it's a really neat place to visit just if nothing else for the choice yeah so it's, it's part of it is it's actually a, a warehouse dropship hub too so that yep. when you order your shit online that comes from there well you know I, it's like i'm completely addicted to uasa batteries yeah and i buy always buy them from chaparral because i can buy like uasa batteries for the price of bike masters i yeah. mean they're pretty unbeatable for yeah. batteries and tires I really don't think you can buy them cheaper. Mm-hmm. So, really cool place. And then the next morning, we went and interviewed Stacy B. London. Stacy, uh, yeah, a, a speed record holder. Uh, she showed us her golden nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw those. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, and then a quick trip over to Lucky Wheels before we headed home, and we we're home in time to be on the podcast. I joined you last week. You guys are having a busy ass um, weekend, huh? Yeah, great time. Um, the one thing, though, is you know who we were missing who was supposed to be on that I trip? I know. Jaime! Jim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim was really bummed. He was supposed to be on the trip, but he had to go fly to Hawaii to be with his son. And, um, you know, I wanted to take a moment and just do some Jim appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, and sh- maybe we can all share some of our favorite Jim stories 
because he's not here today because he's out uh, in back east with his parents now. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Jim came to us through his daughter, Jake, who started coming here when she was 15. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, he remember he was just the dad who dropped by every now and then to check in. He was like the cool Santa Cruz dad with the flat bill on his beach cruiser. <laughs> just like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, man, just freaking, you know, I'm like, this is freaking ride my bike, man. Hey, what's up going on over here? And he likes to tell the story that he was coming by to check on his daughter one time <clears throat> and he ran into her out on the street here riding her moped <laughs> with a giant dildo in her hand <laughs> down the street mm-hmm. and he's like all right, she's all right. <laughs> she's in good hands. She's okay. I think we were like dildo jousting or something. Gonna figure it out eventually. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, but then he got into riding. Mm-hmm. And got his first bike. Um, and I think this is something that he did well. He heeded advice, and uh, he wanted. He was looking at like a Versus six fifty, and I talked him out of it. Because for a first bike, you're, you're it's. You want a bike that you can drop. It's going to happen. Right. Plus, I really think it's better to start on a small displacement bike. You're less likely to get yourself into trouble. Mm -hmm. And you can gain the confidence. Not just that, but train your brain to learn how to ride and rethink what you're looking at and how you're operating. Right. And he took that advice and bought a Nighthawk 250. And he rode that around until he was ready to move up. And he's always... um, taken good advice and made the right decisions um and now he's you know got many dirt bikes and he's got many street bikes mm-hmm. we are bad influences how long ago was that you did you say well jake Three years? is 20 now so yeah. five years now yeah. five years jeez yeah. i can't believe that was five years ago yeah i know god damn i know so um yeah, Jim, he's he's a real solid guy, and I really appreciate um, what he does to contribute. When we do these road trips, it's usually Jim and I, and he's always there side-by-side side with me um, doing interviews and, and preparing for them. And I was glad to have Emma on this trip because she filled his shoes well. Um, but he was missed, definitely. He's a good good person to have on trips. So, now, you got a favorite well, Jim story? I don't have a particular favorite. Uh, well, Vegas was pretty fucking fun. <laughs> but, like, I like the whole idea of Jim, even though he does take advice and is very good at taking advice and doing things uh, properly, um, he's here to have fun. He kind of he kind of like shotgun blasted like he shot himself out of a cannon to like motorcycling and now he's got like a project that he's working on uh-huh. and he's making his own custom bikes within five years. I wasn't doing that when I first getting you know into riding. I was trying to figure out you know all kinds of shit. But like he, like I'm just gonna build a custom bike one day. Boop and he's doing it. And um, yeah, his gateway drug was shooting heroin basically. Yeah, that's basically. how it works here. Like, he's yeah, just no, you're he, going right into it. He got slammed into motorcycling culture hard and deep, and uh, I'm glad he's having fun, and I hope he continues to have fun and it doesn't get boring for him. Because it hasn't gotten boring for me, you know, but, like, uh, I appreciate that he uh, likes to have fun and and is into into bikes, you know? Yeah, he he never takes the piss out of things. He's always up for anything. Yeah. 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 How about you, Bagel? Um, how, how many times have you seen his dick? I have never seen Jim's dick. What? I've seen his dick. Now, granted, I will also admit I have not tried. So, yeah. 
<laughs> Although, you know, it's not that Neither hard. Neither have I, yet it keeps happening. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I ain't trying to see his dick, but I just <laughs> seen his dick. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but the, uh, the memories that I have, um, I would say the uh, the ride up to uh, almost Yosemite was, uh, was, a, was a good one. Mm-hmm. That we went, went on with him uh, that one time. Um, there was also the trip up to Portland for uh, the one show. Oh, that was cool, that too. Was, that was a great time. Yeah. Um, but but most of all, <clears throat> I, I, I think it's just uh, Jim's just a super cool, chill dude who's like always, you know, willing to like lend a hand and and happy to help you out and just kind of has a positive attitude and, yeah and, you know it's it's great to great to have him around and and you know have have that vibe here he gave me a ride to the airport once that was pretty awesome sweet <laughs> you're really reaching there i'm saying <laughs> how about joe do you have a, a a gym story yeah i got to meet uh jim in in vegas at the aim expo he was a total dick to you wasn't he? Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's someone else who was, who was there who might have been, but not. <laughs> you were there, Matt. You, you were there, there. too. That was you. You were there. You were there. That was you. You were grabbing people's heads and shit. <laughs> that did happen. Yeah, that did did happen. Uh, <laughs> that was rude. Uh, but but you know, I got to meet him, and and he was the first one I actually met, and we were chatting for a while, and and you know, uh, to use his phrase, he's a he's a chill dude, and it was just great to get to know him. I really, yeah. uh, I'm sorry he's not here. It would have been nice to catch yeah. up today. Uh, but just a solid individual. I lost my hat uh, with him uh, on a roulette table that day. We were like, hey, let's go hit the roulette tables. Let's do 100% pure gambling. And we're like, let's do roulette. And uh, <laughs> I, like, I lost 100 bucks at the roulette table. It was fun doing it, though. <laughs> but Jim was there, and he was showing me the ropes as best he could. <laughs> he showed you how to lose 100 bucks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Mission you, accomplished. You seem to have a special relationship with Jim. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think back to when I first met the Misfits, and I've said this many times on the show since, when you actually meet the Misfits en masse, they, it can be quite intimidating, depending on who's there. Checks in the and mail, so lady. I was... I was looking forward to a very quiet afternoon at the museum, <laughs> and Liza, Zach, mm-hmm. Mean Megan, <clears throat> yeah. Mike Miranda, mm-hmm. and Jim show up. And were you there on that first? I was there too. You were there too on the first one. Yeah. I know you were there for the second one as oh, well. Maybe, maybe it was the second one. But that could have been, yeah. In any case, I'm like, oh my god, who are these people? <laughs> and Jim just looks me in the eye and he says, "It's going to be okay." and i believed him but jim is is quite a calming influence he's he's very much the glue that holds us all together because if you if you take the misfits you've got some fairly strong characters here and don't know what you're talking about and sometimes we all agree and sometimes we don't all agree that's not true and um jim is very very good at kind of binding everyone together that is true you see just the mm-hmm. italian spider-man glue yeah exactly uh, that's some, that's some more. <laughs> so yeah no jim is um he's great yeah jim you're great and you know i'm gonna say one more thing um yeah, he's a good person. I would pee in his butt if I were gay. That's what I'm saying. Okay, knock. Nah. <laughs> just took it too oh far. Oh, my too far. God. Wow. Um, but I'm going to say um, 
I think that Jim is an excellent father, and that's what I respect him the most about. Yeah. Um, not only, I mean, he's he's a great father. He's always been there, but he's got good kids too. Yeah. And I think that's an example. And um, it's great to see somebody who's really got that um, that focus on being a, a parent first, and then everything else second. Well, you know, I've never met Seamus, but mm-hmm. I can tell just by looking at him, he's a solid guy. But of course, Jake, I know, and Jake is just wonderful, and a reflection of Jim. Of yeah. course, she is. You know, so yeah. Well, and the reason that we're taking this time to say all these wonderful things is because we won't say it to his face. Oh, good lord! Yeah, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to the that, shows. That's uh, so. I think we're good. So in some cultures, that's showing weakness, and we can't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we just want all you out there to know. Just you know, he'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> so I know it's a little early to jump into emails, but we got a great one that brings up a topic. And Emma, could you read that there for I us? I certainly will. This is a technical, a technical question on suspension. Technique. From um, M.A. Yeah, oh, M.A. Hunt. Hey, M.A. From, Remember the one we drove him blind? That's right. <laughs> from Potland. <laughs> technical request here. I'm having some issues with suspension. Mm. When I run over a bump in the road, I go airborne off the seat of a couple of inches. Well, that's not good. Mm-hmm. It feels like somebody punched me in the stomach and then immediately punched me in the ass. Oh, boo. <laughs> I'd like to hear about how you can troubleshoot suspension <clears throat> and not about setting your sag. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear more about the different components inside of suspension, what kind of problems can happen with them, and what symptoms riders will feel. A few examples would be too much um, oh a few examples would be too much or not enough fork oil that is very common mm-hmm. oil that's too thick or thin bent fork brace too much preload and anything else you can think of mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. lot to cover there yeah so what exactly do we want to talk about well, though as far as it goes let's start knock at the very beginning mm-hmm. which is the best place to start so back in the day motorbikes didn't have any suspension at all mm-hmm. and they were very rudimentary they had tires which is the closest well they thing didn't even have tires they were solid wheels solid wheels yeah. with no suspension so obviously that that wasn't going to last very long yeah um and then over the years people came up with girder front ends and springer front ends and god knows what and right around the mid to late 50s we ended up with what we've got today which is telescopic front ends and swing arm rear suspension with hydraulic dampers Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much what we've got and various incarnations on that but if we get down there are three things that you need to think about with suspension and i'm not going to get into the geometry and stuff like that because that can have a drastic effect on handling i'm just talking about suspension so there's three things that you need to consider the first is the ability of the suspension to move up i.e compress when you hit a bump and that's called compression then there's the action from when the suspension has been compressed to when it goes back down to its natural position and that's called rebound and then the speed at which it does it which is called damping 
So mm-hmm. one, two, three. And when one of those three things goes wrong, it can get pretty hairy. Yeah. So the first thing you've got to decide on your suspension is where is the problem? So if you hit a bump, and when you hit a bump, it really jars you. Obviously, the compression is part of the problem. Does that mean the suspension is too stiff and it's not absorbing the bump properly? Or does it mean it's too soft and it's rocketing up to its maximum compression very, very quickly, hitting the end, and that's what's jarring you? Mm. So you've got two factors going on there. Conversely, if you actually go over the bump and then you get a big clunk when it goes back down, Mm -hmm. your rebound's not working properly. Mm-hmm. And there's a variety of things that can do that, but usually that can be um, an oil level problem. It can be poor settings. It can be the wrong type of oil. And then the final one is damping, and that's the most common problem of all because oil itself degrades. Fork oil in the old days was actually made out of fish oil. And the, yep. reason, the reason they <laughs> use fish oil is because it's very, very slippery. And forks, unless they're set up very, very carefully, they can suffer from um, a lot of internal friction, Mm. which in the case of forks is called stiction because they Mm -hmm. cause the forks to stick. Um, And so they use fish oil, very, very slippery, very good at reducing friction within the fork, but it has a shelf life, you know, just by sitting there. It can degrade. Yeah. So what I'm saying is there's a lot of bikes on the road right now of people who are listening to this podcast that the oil in their forks has degraded. And they may not even know it. It's happened over a period of time. It might Mm -hmm. be their first bike. They don't know any better. Um, But in comparison to when the bike was new or if it was carefully set up, it's a mess. So um, there's a lot of things you can adjust. There's a lot of things you can't adjust. Generally, as bikes have gotten younger, the ability to adjust suspension has become greater. Um, there was, in the old days, you got what you got. Yep. The factory said, these are the settings, particularly on forks. Very, very high-end bikes. You could make a few adjustments to the forks. Um, but generally, this is what you got. British bikes were fairly typical of the time in that um, the rebound, um, the compression was actually quite good. The rebound, there was way overdone on the rebound and there was virtually zero damping because there wasn't the technology back then. So if you get on, say, a 1960s BSA or Norton Commando, its ability to absorb bumps is actually quite good. But when it recovers from that bump, it can get a little bit pitchy. Mm -hmm. And then it can actually start wallowing because the damping is over... The ability to bike to absorb the damping is overcome by the road. So, um, good initial ride, but it can get out of hand very, very quickly. Um, The Japanese... The early Japanese bikes again had a lot of problems with damping they tended to go the other way and they tended to be rather stiff so 
the compression and the rebound was very very stiff on the early japanese machines um damping was a little better than british but it still had a long way to go um in the 80s you actually began to got some adjustments on it and honda were really pioneers about introducing anti-dive usually linked with the brakes Mm -hmm. and the way the anti-dive worked was when the caliper gripped the the disc it shoved it upwards and it closed a valve within the fork that actually stopped the oil Mm. moving around i had an 88 gpz which had a solenoid in the bottom of the fork that was an anti-dive fork and it was actually slave to the brake light switch. Yep. Uh, so uh, when you hit the trigger, it, the the solenoid would close, and it just yeah. would lock the oil out to right. certain amount. Right, and yeah. that's it's it's a perfect yeah. example of the early thinking. Mm-hmm. The problem of that because. Obviously, as forks go up and down, there's oil moving through passages in them mm-hmm. because you don't want an undamped fork. An undamped fork could just pounce up and down like a spring. Mm-hmm, so you yeah. have to slow that down with damping. And the early ideas was, well, if we just close off the passageways, it can't move, and there's your anti- anti-dive. Are you sure that's not dampening? Well, no, that's making it wet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's something we've, we've said for a long time because everyone always gets that wrong. Uh, yeah. One makes you wet, and one makes you not balance. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's why people say fork dampener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's um, it it's, makes it wetter. It's a garden hose. <laughs> <It's>, yes. <laughs> um, so the problem, and it's always been a problem. All bikes are built to a price. Every single bike on the road is built to a price. Even the most expensive Panigale, even the most humble Atlas Honda, everything is built with a price in mind. So, you can't really cut corners on an engine because an engine's, it's the engine of the bike, it's the heart of the bike. If mm-hmm. you cut corners on an engine, the bike either won't perform or it'll be unreliable. So, mm-hmm. you can't cut corners there. You don't really want to cut corners on brakes either. That's not really a good place to cut corners. And, you know, this is something that, um, this is I, one of the things I get har- I accused of Harley bashing about, but people don't, I don't think, realize you how much faster you can ride with proper suspension. Oh, absolutely. And my, um, my triple out there, that 79 XS750, yes. is, is a perfect example. Well, and I put in modern R1 suspension on it. front end on and stiffer brings on the back so i've got the braking modern braking on the front and the suspension it handles completely different it's transformed the bike completely but what i'm distilling down to is all manufacturers cut corners on suspension from mm-hmm. the factory because that's the only place you can really have some movement to build a bike and you say oh but hang on a minute my triumph thruxton r comes with olin suspension on it standard and it does but that olin suspension is made especially for triumph Mm-hmm. And it's a simplified version, uh-huh. specifically. So you can say, yes, it's got Olin suspension on it, but it is a simplified version. It's not like trying for suddenly buying $2,000 shocks and bolting them on their mm. truck ER. So um, the first thing, if you've got suspension problems, step one, you figure out what it's doing. So let's take our friend M.A. from Portland there. When he hits a bump, He's getting knocked out of the seat. So my question for you, Emma, is, is the suspension moving up so quickly it's compressing against its stop and that's what's throwing throwing you out of your seat? 
or is it so stiff that that's what's throwing you at it? As soon as you hit it. it exactly. So it. if it's so stiff, you need to consider backing off a little bit on the fork springs. Now, unfortunately, the only cure for that is replacing fork springs. But wait, if he's getting bounced out of the seat, isn't that the rear shock that's doing that? Well, he's saying it's doing it at the front and the back. Well, but if he's getting bounced out of the seat, that sounds like the back to me. And if you uh, think about um, our own Cat P, who got thrown over the bars right. of the um, GS when it hit oh, a right, bump. Right. right. So the most common thing I find with aftermarket rear suspension is it's too stiff. It's set up too stiff. And I hate to go into it. You need to set up your sag. You absolutely have to do it. Because if you don't, especially if you've replaced the rear shock on your bike, well, and, you know, you can go, oh, you can, I've got to do this and I've got to do this. But the fact of the matter is, when your bike is leaning over on its side stand and the suspension is fully compressed, when you lift the bike upright without your weight on it, it should drop a little. And then when you should put your Static butt sag. on it, yeah. it should drop a little more. And if mm -hmm. it's not doing that, your suspension's too stiff. When I know I'm going to be going on a, a hard, bumpy road, I do adjust my sag. And just by tightening my bra, like one there you go. thing, it, it helps a lot. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You've got to yeah, think so about Yeah, so the tits aren't things. bouncing off the tank, because that gets uncomfortable. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's weight distribution, darling. Knock, what do you do for your tits? Oh, uh, I usually just show them. <laughs> <laughs> just ride around with them showing. That's all right. right. Correct answer. And, um, yeah. But it, we were talking early on in this podcast about what the difference between a fun hooligan street bike and a track bike. And so it is with suspension. Just because you have racing suspension on your bike... Mm -hmm does not make it good on the street. Generally, if your bike is set up for the track, it's going to be way too stiff for the street. It's always a compromise. Why is this? Because tracks are smooth. Mm -hmm. Streets ain't. Yeah, and you're handling mm -hmm. a lot faster speeds and uh, not exactly. just like actual but, bike miles per hour speed, but actual uh, 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 but stroke of the piston of let, the suspension speed. Let's talk about why you want to have a stiff suspension on the track. Because it's a faster response, right? Faster response. Yeah. And your bike's not going to be jumping. You know, you, right. your bike's not changing geometry underneath you. Well, because here's as low. suspension so, compresses, but here's the actual geometry of your bike changes. Yeah, right. And that affects handling. There's a variety of things that affects handling. But here's the thing, too. It's like it's also relative because what's stiff on the track is different than stiff on the street. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Are it, we talking about Jim again? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but also, um, because you, you – well, the tracks are, first of all, much, much smoother, like you said. But the, the idea is that you want to keep your tire on the pavement as much as possible. Yes. Absolutely. And that, and that applies to both track and – and straight true mm -hmm. but, so but if you if you have a stiffer suspension though it's going to it's going to hold the road better as if the road is smooth if right. the road is smooth right. if the road is bumpy and this is why track bikes make lousy street bikes mm -hmm. it, it's actually 
a stiffly sprung bike mm-hmm. is going to be slower on the street yes. than a softly sprung bike because it won't actually it actually won't hold the road as well right because it won't absorb point, those, yeah. Yeah, it, won't, it won't absorb those bumps as readily and that'll cause the bike to jump around and oh lose, yeah lose the track i remember um what's that road when you go at one you can take that road that goes past the horse pastures and comes back back down to one again swanton yeah swanton road mm-hmm. um that is a road that can be brutal on the wrong bike. Yeah. I remember taking my 900 SS on there and where you have a lot of your weight forward. And right. I was more aware of the bumps than I'd ever been and mm. just hammered and like, this isn't yeah. fun. It's not fun. Then I take a bike like the Versus on there where my weight is in the center of the bike and has better s- suspension it, for that. Right. And it sucked it up and so I never noticed. If we go back to the original email from MA, it says... Um, when he hits a bump in the road, it feels like someone punches me in the stomach and then immediately punches me in the ass. Mm-hmm. So the front end's stiff too, yep. mm-hmm. because he's getting hammered from the front end and that's hitting his quads. And then when the back goes over, it punches him in the ass. So um, uh, should we t- talk could, tire pressure? At here's all? the thing: it could be well, either too much rebound damping or too much compression right. damping. It could be one of those things. What you want to do is get a, an I weight of what you weigh with the bike and yourself on there and uh, sort out proper spring rates and ideas. Exactly. And I pretty much guarantee that if it's got aftermarket shocks on it, it's too stiff. Yeah. Um, And again, with the forks, everyone's like, oh, I'm going to make my bike handle better. I'm going to put thicker fork oil in it. Mm -hmm. And it's a classic mistake because as the forks compress, you know, the oil's got to move through Mm -hmm. the passageways. Mm -hmm. And then when it rebounds, it's got to move back through the passageway. So that's the, that's, you know, the compression and rebound, which ultimately results in the damping. If you put thick fork oil in it, you might get better damping on the rebound, but you're going to lose all the compliance mm-hmm. in the compression. It's a very, very tricky art. It slows, and, slows down the damping. Right? And here's, yes. here's what's fucked up. You could get, like, suspension so good where there's an independent high-speed rebound and high-speed, uh, low-speed rebound and high-speed compression and low-speed compression. So you could adjust all those variables to where it's, you know, right. great. But, like, th- that's some high-end shit. So. It is. So <clears throat> to distill it down... If you want to change compression, it's relatively easy. You change the springs. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. If you want to make the springs stiffer, you can actually preload them. Mm-hmm. And you can preload them. A favorite trick of mine for a very softly strong, sprung bike was to get a couple of cheap sockets. Take the right. top nuts mm-hmm. off, put a couple of sockets in there, put the top nuts back on. Mm-hmm. We've used washers and yeah. also a PVC pipe. Just right, a exactly. Bit. So that's easy. Making them softer, that's a little bit tricky. Um, I don't recommend taking a coil off the springs. Yeah. Um, if you if it's too really too stiff on compression, the chances are it's got either sacked out um, original springs or aftermarket springs so just kick down for a set of oem ones um yes and i wanted to um mention something because a lot of people aren't aware um how harley davidson's like mike's uh bike how they are different sorry that was me getting a yeah response um how they use the shocks in a different way right 
So for traditional bikes, you guys know, especially twin shocks that are mounted on the side uh, down in the swing arm. And when the wheel goes up, it's compressing yes. the springs. So for some Harleys, and, and like on my chopper, I had the two shocks mounted, and they're underneath the engine. Right. Uh, attached to the swing arm. So when the swing arm goes up, it's pulling the springs open. Right. Hmm. Which is a completely different... Um, Interesting. Yeah, which is a completely different operation. And a lot of people don't realize that that's what's happening, that they can work both ways. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually have uh, a soft tail. Okay. And I put an air ride suspension in it. And getting used to what chamber to fill with air to be able to lower the bike or raise the bike or and, and, and the rebound mm-hmm. takes a little getting used to because right. because it's reverse, right? It's reverse mm-hmm. in your head. When you, when you sit on a bike, you think it's compressing, and it's mm-hmm. not. It's, in this case, it's kind mm-hmm. of pulling it out uh, of, the, uh, of the shock. Exactly. But you bring up a very valid point, and generally... The most effective way of dampening, dampening, damping (laughs) um, suspension is a mixture of oil and air. Mm. And always has been. And you can substitute air for nitrogen. The only difference between air and nitrogen is because nitrogen's inert, it doesn't warm up. For the street, you're not going to get it Mm -hmm. hot enough that there's a difference between air and nitrogen. But as a mix between oil and air... It's 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 really the ultimate. Will, will that also help the oil last longer because it won't oxidize as fast? E, maybe it, um, the wear comes from the shear. It's as yeah, it's going through the Yeah, I mean, you should mostly. you should really be changing fork yeah. oil every couple of years. Yeah, um, shocks you don't have that option when when the oil's gone. You yeah. bin them. Um, yeah, Progressive has made a very good company out of it. That mm-hmm. they have, and Progressive does a very very nice shock yeah. absorber, as does. Olin's. Yeah, it's going to be largely of how much and how hard and what type of writing you do. Um, Strangely enough, the first letter in Olin's is the same as Olin's and oh shit, how much are they? (laughs) Um, But it really is a transformation for your bike. So um, compression, springs, rebound, you're getting into valving. Mm-hmm. And then damping. Damping can be the easiest of all. Um, if you're not liking what you're getting with the damping, just drain all the oil out, put some fresh in, and you might get what you want. How about this? You know, most bikes, almost all of them, come with an adjustable shock yes. and a little tool in the tool bag to adjust it. little C-spanner. I've never pull, uh, pulled yeah. my tool out and adjusted mine. That's Does your anyone else? I mean... I don't think yeah. most people do, but you should, and mostly what when you have a passenger. Right, exactly. That's what it's and that was for. the most common thing back home because mm-hmm. you know back home um, in the seventies, you know, a lot of us carried passengers, and you'd you wouldn't want the bike to be super stiff with just you on it, but you put a passenger on the back and you just get out the C spanner and click 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 go up a couple of turns, um, and that's exactly what you wanted. So yeah. Um, I, I'm curious because uh, Joe had mentioned the air ride suspension. Yeah. This is a common um, upgrade on a lot of uh, big twins. Is that come? That doesn't come stock with it, does it? No, no. Right. So it's a common upgrade. Why are we seeing this upgrade on sport uh, bikes or Complexity. twin bikes? weight mass it's just easier to tune is it because people who are riding the um uh 
the Japanese bikes are are smart enough not to dole out that much money. No, I don't. Yeah. No, they're okay. not because they're spending well, a lot more on yeah. the well, well, hang on. No, I, I think it's horses for courses. Yeah. The, the, the problem is with the sport bike market is sport bikes really do work out the suspension quite a bit. Right. Yeah. And the air ride suspension is solely air ride. There's no springing in there. Yeah. Right. It's just air ride, and I think for a sport bike, it would take so much dialing in to get mm, it just right. right. Yeah. It's perfect and for a cruiser. So it's yeah, a plush for, ride. Yeah. For, yeah. for cruisers and bus drivers, right? Exactly. It's, you know, it's, it's what's exactly, under the seat. It's exactly the same setup that you get on a bus. Mm-hmm. It's the airbags you get on a bus. Mm-hmm. You pump it up. Off you go. Yeah, I actually like the air ride suspension because um, around town, I like the bike a little bit lower mm-hmm. and a little bit softer. But when I get out on the open road, I, I'll, I'll raise it up a little. It gives me a little bit more clearance, especially with the floorboards. You know, mm-hmm. they kind of tend yeah. to, to scrape. Do me a favor. Don't look me in the eye and say a little bit lower, a little bit softer. <laughs> oh. uh, don't do that. You were looking okay. right uh, at me. Sorry. Um, okay. I, I, will, she, I will avoid that. She, she, she enjoys that. I just got a little uncomfortable and aroused at the same time. Uh, don't, right, well, go ahead. Don't say happy that. I, could, uh, I could do that for you. Um, yeah, now I just totally lost my train of thought. Thank you. Uh, I do have a question, uh, Miss yeah. Emma. Uh, yes, what does age do to like the, the springs and the suspension? Well, you usually get fatter and way more. <laughs> well, yeah, my case. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, the, in the middle, you know. <laughs> in, springs do wear out. In, in yeah. extreme cases, yeah. springs can suck out because remember, a spring, it's it's basically it's a coiled up torsion bar. So when you compress the forks, it twists, mm-hmm. and you multiply that by a thousand, by five thousand, by however many thousand times it's Millions, twisted, probably. million times, it's gonna lose some of its tension. Um, heavy bike, long period of inactivity, just with all its weight on the springs. Yeah, it's gonna lose a little bit. It's not so much of a problem in bikes as it is in cars, especially big heavy cars. Yeah. Um, you know, if you drag like a fifties Cadillac out of a barn, first thing you're gonna have to do is put a set of springs on it. <laughs> no, because it's yeah. had three tons sitting on the springs for fifty yeah. years. A bike they occasionally get bad on bikes that have been worked really, really hard or heavyweight touring bikes like yours. But generally, unless it's been used very, very hard, you're not going to really need to replace sacked out springs on a sport bike just from sitting around. Hey, while we're talking about suspension, I think each of us might have some little tricks. When you want to change out the springs on your shocks... And you need to compress the spring hmm. to get the uh, the nut or the clip off the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a there's a couple different tricks. Yeah. Have you guys all uh, figured some of them out? I've yep. done some janky ass <laughs> shit. <laughs> so <laughs> have I. So have I. Dude, I've used <laughs> fucking hose clamps <laughs> oh, to compress the uh, uh-huh. the springs. Uh-huh. Uh, zip ties. Zip ties. Yep, that's some what I did. The, some of the small stuff. Yeah. Almost killed myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I took a. Um, it's a tool you can get at automotive stores. That is used. I'm not sure what it's used. It's basically a threaded rod with two different clamps on each side. Yep, yeah, I have one to, of those too. To compress yeah. something. It's a spring um, compressor. Yeah, it is a spring, spring compressor, compressor, but 
they will pop out really easily mm-hmm. and become a weapon. So <laughs> I've zip tied or used the the bands to keep it onto the spring while uh, compressing yeah. it. That's a good one. Uh, I've done that, but there are tricks. But you do have to be careful. Yeah, because right. those things can be a weapon. There's a lot of energy built up <laughs> in a compressed yeah. spring. You know, back in the 1950s, long before swing arms were a thing. Triumph came up with this marvelous device called the Sprung Hub. And mm-hmm. they put these really heavyweight springs within the rear hub wow. of a motorcycle. Jeez. And people lost eyes, lost arms, oh, no. dismantling these things. Oh, no. There was just so much energy yeah. contained in a very, very small space. Thankfully, it only lasted a couple of years. Actually, the best thing is the spring compressor tool. Yeah, <laughs> that is the oh, nice. Yeah. But yeah, well, the, actual, uh, like, the the hydraulic one or the one that you're talking about? No, the one it's got it's got like the two threaded yes, rods and goes thread across, and, just and then so it's got a C opening. Yeah. Those work great on car springs. I tried to use that on one of my uh, shocks, and it was just too big and cumbersome. Mm. Well, you need the right size for yeah. The yeah, shocks are smaller. <laughs> yeah, I think they're McPherson McPherson strut spring compressors. That's the one. Yeah, those are yeah. the ones that work. Those are good. How about this? You know, a lot of the really cool shocks have got that nice little canister on the back. Mm-hmm. That's a is that nitrogen? It's usually an air bladder, right? Nitrogen it bladder. Can what be an exactly air is that there for, well, other than looking cool? Well, so if you think about it, we've already talked that as the shock moves up and down, compression and rebound, this fluid moving through orifices. Mm-hmm. We've already decided that, and that's the damping. Joe, quit looking at me every time <laughs> things like that are said. Um, <laughs> I just can't help it. So with the movement of fluid comes a nasty little byproduct called heat. And if you Mm -hmm. heat up a liquid, Mm -hmm. the viscosity of the liquid changes. And if it gets thinner, sometimes the damping goes away or the damping gets changed. So by increasing the amount of fluid within the shock itself, sometimes to double or even triple... It means the shock's more stable for a long period of time. So it's more not a reservoir, it's an up. expansion chamber? Kind of. Okay. It's just well, a means of con- of more liquid mm-hmm. being in there. It, right. Yeah, it, it puts pressure in, more pressure into the system to prevent the uh, the oil from cavitating as it passes through the orifices. Right, so you've just got yeah. more going on in there. Yeah, because um, as fluid moves through some of the orifices, it creates a low-pressure region and creates these little bubbles. And what happens is these little bubbles, they collapse really quickly, and that's energetic. And that actually wears the parts and components. So if you pressurize the system, those bubbles are less likely to form and Mm -hmm. less likely to cavitate. Back to what air, compressed air and oil is just the most effective thing. And that's why when you see a piggyback shock, there's almost always a little air valve on it. And and Mm -hmm. people get all steamed up over nitrogen, Mm -hmm. but really you don't need to worry too much about nitrogen. You can just use air. It's mostly like the amount of pressure that's required. It's usually like 140 PSI or whatever the fuck it is, you know, depending on whatever system. So so bagel to adjust the suspension on your scooter, do you just let a little air out of the tire? Uh, no, I actually have adjustable shocks on mine. Really? Yep. And um, they're able to dial in as much. Uh, well, I mean, it's 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 mainly adjustable for preload, um, but uh, does it doesn't have uh, rebound uh, dampening? Not on these. There are there are shocks available that have rebound dampening, but I didn't I didn't bother for but, with it. But I have a question for you, Liza. Mm-hmm. What is the single biggest 
contributed to poor suspension on a bike? Um, too much pie. <clears throat> Anybody else? Old-ass <laughs> 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 fluid. Neglect. <laughs> Neglect. The biggest contributor Wait, to poor to suspension <sighs> on your bike? On my bike. Anyone's on bike. any bike. I'm going to say time. Anyone else? Uh, low tire pressures. There, Knox oh, got it. Go. That's the first Check your unit. tire pressures. It's not rocket science. Yeah. If you are yeah. riding a sport bike... On the street, you need 36 in the front and 42 in the back. If you're riding a cruiser, 32, 36 is going to be fine. If you're riding just a good, solid, like, old street bike, 28, 32 will get you down the road. But you need proper tyre pressures. The amount of times that I get a bike arrive at the shop and it would handle like a three-legged horse. <laughs> and it got no air in the tyres. You air up the tyres. Thing feels like a GP bike. <laughs> so, you know, start with the fundamentals. Check your tyres. Make sure everything's working as it should. Then yeah. figure out what it's doing or what it's not doing. And then take action as necessary. Yeah, as far as sports bikes goes, I prefer myself like 34, 36 hot and 34, 35 some. But those are not the correct tire pressure. No, they're not. But it's this is largely one of those things where like it's a special application. But those are not the correct tire pressure. Well, that's what's not. not printed on the side of the tire. I mean, like. When you're riding on a track, even even sometimes on the street, like forty two is a little too high, man. I mean, it feels like it's you're like riding on glass almost, and you don't want that. But depending, but those aren't the correct tire pressures, knock. <laughs> that's subjective. <laughs> I think that's objective. Well, doesn't it vary? I say we have a duel at dawn. Mm, doesn't well, it vary a lot? I mean, I, I it varies. I have, well, I mean, I have a you know two different bikes and yeah. you know clearly and, and I've had uh, several different bikes and they all have different tire pressure. yeah it can yeah. vary but you know pretty much sport bikes um, every sport bike made since the mid 90s 3642 gotcha. unless it's on the track <clears throat> well really I think when you think about it uh, the suspension is I think one of the, the technologically has been lagging on bikes, we've had so many advances in technology, and right now, almost so many bikes are coming out with ABS, yes. which was not common that long ago. We're Very making a lot ABS of um, you know advances, um, but yet you know you can still go buy a bike that comes with a shock that you need to adjust that you will never adjust. People just don't. What I am looking forward to the trickle down is it's already here, man. Exactly. When I sat on that BMW GS. Yes. And I turned the bike on. Yes. And it <laughs> was like my old uh, Citroen. And it <laughs> it weighs you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it is a self-adjusting right. bike. And I, how long do you think it'll be before that becomes common, like ABS brakes are becoming? Well, I mean, it's always going to be a high-end thing, because we go back to what I said at the beginning. Where are you going to cut costs? Yeah. See, a GS is a very mm-hmm. high-end bike. It is? Now, you may be interested that the Ducati's got the same system on it, as I has it. I mean, the, the new Skylink. Triumph Explorer. But Perfect. These, so it is becoming more common. But these are very, very high-end bikes. It's common if you've right. got the money for it. Um, and, 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 you mean common. And, and also, I mean, self-leveling systems in cars existed 50-plus years ago. Yeah. Yeah. They're not commonplace today. So because it's a luxury thing, it's a luxury thing, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a luxury thing. Yeah, and um, like part of it too with bikes is it's just it's a 
weight penalty some yeah. people yeah. are still kind of obsessed about weight for some reason so I, but i do like that i like that it's you know like a self-calibrating every time you turn oh, right. the bike on it's going to adjust for the rider on that and ride I bel- right now and i believe <clears throat> that that um, BMW road's got a gyroscope in it as well that measures pitch and yaw, mm-hmm. which yeah. really helps you with the stability on it. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's an example is, of what the future holds and technology that is in certain bikes. Right. That I, I think um, that will maybe be the next thing to start trickling down. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, ABS and uh, yeah, it'll other Yeah, get cheaper, features. hopefully. I mean, do you know where ABS started, by the way? Oh, hold on. This will be a good one. Airplanes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. It was, it's an airplane system. This is uh, like the third time we For the air brakes? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, airplane, <laughs> airplanes have needed anti-lock brakes for years. Right. For landing gear. For landing gear, because, I mean, you are moving something pretty heavy. Yeah. Too many bent propellers? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. So, um, any other things uh, that you think... You already said the one of the biggest things is you need to check your tires but suspension wise is there anything else that most people should be doing that they're not well you know the the biggest thing i see certainly here in coastal california is just people letting their fork legs get destroyed by rust Mm. and once they're gone they're gone so keep them clean yeah Um, you know, out of sight, out of mind. If your bike's got a nice jolly fairing on it, you're not going to see the fork legs. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they're getting rusty and crusty underneath there. And then your fork seals blow, and then Rip. oil's drooling everywhere, including over the brake calipers and making a hell of a mess. Remember, there's a dust seal, and then there's the actual fork seal. Right. And the dust seals get shit-hammered long before your fork seals do, but you won't know until you start seeing oil come out of it. So yeah, yeah. When, when you see oil, coming yeah, when out you of see it, oil, it's, yeah. it's it's way too late. Mm-hmm. Um, but keep everything clean, especially if you live in a dirty environment. That can mean that you live on the coast and there's a lot of salt, but it can mean you're living in Texas and there's a lot of dust. Good point. Get so, a seal mate. I'm no, say, God, what? no, no, God, no, no. What do you mean, no? no? It's they're horrible. They what? just seal mates are terrible things. They just why do you say that? Smash. They smash the debris into the seal. When it's leaking, it's done. Well, if you push the, because I've saved no, a fork yeah, for I've, a little bit. Yeah, I've pulled no. stuff out. If you you got to well, scrape it out, not push it in. There's a, there's a technique. That's why to he's it. got a hook on the end, yeah. so that you yeah, can pull it all out. You got to scoop it all out. But so, I, do, I do get what you're saying that like if it's gonna come to that point, you might want to just done. fucking it's, get your fork seal yeah, it's done. Postponing the inevitable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's kind of kicking a can down the road. Mm-hmm. And remember, if you're seeing oil. Your suspension's already compromised. Let me ask you this. For somebody who um, has a leaky seal and they don't have the space or the confidence to change out the seals, how much should they expect to spend at a shop? Generally speaking, um, a shop will charge like two hours plus the cost of parts. So a total fork seal job. You're not going to get one fork seal mm-hmm. done. They're always done in pairs. Mm-hmm. But for, for just a bike... Um, like, say, a Bonneville, uh-huh. you know? Um, you Standard right-side-up forks. Standard right-side-up forks, about 250 to 300 bucks, mm-hmm. and probably for upside-down forks, an hour more. Yeah. So another 100 bucks. So does that without parts? Because, because like, you're, if you're in there, a lot of the times you're doing the bushings, too, anyway. Right, right? exactly. So. And that's, that's just a call. Yeah. I mean, 
I always evaluate the bushings mm -hmm. when I'm in there. Some are done, some are absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to know until you get inside. I mean, there's, it's got nothing to do with mileage. Some bushings wear very quickly, some wear very slowly. Yeah. So that's about how much you charge at your new job? Well, y y yes. Did you guys catch that? Mm -hmm. I know. I heard. Emma's got a new job. Well, yeah. I'm yeah, I'm back. I'm She's back. back. I'm back. She's for back in the business. <laughs> yes, doing sport bike shit. Shit, man. Wow. Yep. Oh no, I will. You heard it here first. I am now working for. Well, I've kind of gone back to my roots because when I first started off in this business in September 1978, oh. um, I worked really? at a little. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at a little independent shop, and we kind of did a bit of everything. And then I kind of went up through the ranks and I did the dealer stuff and I did the factory stuff. And I'm back at a little independent shop again. And we're kind of, you know, we're building engines and we're doing suspension and we're doing brakes. And um, one minute I've got a Harley on my bench and then, you know, the next I've got a sport bike and then the next I've got a KTM dirt bike, you know. Um, it's great. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah? Cool. Yeah. You're back. I'm wrenching. And, um, I, yeah, you're dealing just mostly with sport bikes? Oh, everything. No, we're doing everything. We, oh. We're doing absolutely everything. Part of the reason um, Mike hired me is my ability to do everything. Um, because he's very much a sport bike guy. He loves sport bikes. He's a, he's a racer. Mm -hmm. um, he loves doing track days. And, of course, we're very close to Laguna Seca. Um, but as he puts it, he said, this is all very well. But if I've got a, a cruiser in, their money is as good as anybody else's. That's so right. um, let's get them on the bench, get them down the road. So you're going to get all the bastard bikes, huh? Um, I, just, I don't care. Yeah. As long as all I'm right. laying my hands on motorbikes, I'm a very happy Emma. <laughs> Sounds good. I, and I think so are we. <laughs> so, hey, I wanted to make another quick announcement. I already said that we did some interviews down in L.A., but yeah. we did some more special recordings I haven't mentioned yet. Oh, God. <laughs> so this one is for our Patreon subscribers only, unfortunately. You guys are the best. And, you know... We did something special for you. I thought, you know... <laughs> When we're we're sitting we're, we're lying in the hotel room in our you know in our beds and what are we doing? We're talking about motorcycles. <laughs> and I thought, you know, maybe people would like to know what kind of Just conversations huh? we have. And so I pulled out the recorder and we recorded. We recorded bedtime chat. Bedtime chat with Emma and Liza. <laughs> yes. It's very intimate. Actually, in fact, it was two nights. It's two nights. The second night is called Bedtime Chat with Liza and Miss Emma. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there. Yes, wow. yes. Uh, um, yeah, so we had some good conversations. Um, the first one we were... I'll be the judge of that. We were talking about like future <laughs> classics. Yeah, Things, exactly. Bikes that are affordable you can get now that uh, you should look at as potential investment that's, or collector. That's a good combo, future classics. Mm -hmm. No, but you know what, Nock? You will not have an opportunity to listen to it because yeah. you I'm not a Patreon I'm subscriber. Not. This is I'm just a content creator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a very special gift for our Patreon subscribers. It's yeah. the only way you get to hear it. Um, 
But these is, these were I mean these were the real deals. The first one was recorded in a Motel Six. What in years San were, Luis were you spanning to? Like Well, you know, mostly early nineties. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, Actually, up to early nineties. My top choice was a mid eighties. Mid eighties? Mid eighties to early nineties. Yeah. That's their yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 kind of they're getting on the brink now. And yeah. that was born yeah. through that we saw at Iconic Motorbikes mm. because yeah. you know, these are the guys um I'm still very much at home on a 70s bike because, mm-hmm. of course, of my age. But um, for somebody in their 40s, the bikes that they had posters of on their bedroom walls are the ZX-750s, the ZX-9s, the Slabbies, um, you know? Don't give away too much. Exactly. So, um, But here's what was interesting. You know, bikes, they go down in value and they hit a, a bottom. And I'm going to... I'm going to surmise that this bottom value comes when you have the most amount of bikes in poor condition. So yeah, that even though you have other bikes that are still in right? good condition, they those are devaluing them. You can right. Why spend 3000 <laughs> when you can get one for 800 right? Go on so, eBay and look for GSXR front ends from 2006 sure. so, to 2008. <laughs> so you get bikes that really come to a low point, and that's usually around, what, 20 years? Something about that, yeah. Around there, maybe. And then you get all the trashy ones kind of die out. <laughs> what are the and, trashy and, ones? <laughs> you know, the bikes that are like ratted out, oh, crashed, right. that are not really in collectible you know, condition. Oh, I see what you're worth, talking about. But, but what is left is a smaller stash of the good condition, well-maintained ones. Yeah. Now, those start to go up in value. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're talking about, those bikes. And here's the interesting thing. The bikes that we mentioned... We saw that weekend in different places. Right. So we were right in our guesses because all those bikes we saw. Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty pretty yeah. interesting. So you, th- I want to just do a big thanks to Patreon subscribers and make sure you check uh, the Patreon page for those uh, those two episodes. And I think if I remember uh, Joe's right, checking in already. I, I got my email notification. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, ten thirty eight and ten forty four this morning. And so, I, uh, I think the second one was actually we recorded that from our room on the Queen Mary, Ooh. which is one of the most haunted places you know i want to talk about the queen mary very briefly because it is either very nostalgic or a complete dump depending on your point of view and i really haven't decided which that's an interesting intersection because you know i mean you are you're staying in a in a in a berth on a luxury cruise ship, but it's a luxury cruise ship from the 1930s. <laughs> Is it yes. just like humid as fucking damp in there? And like, yeah, and it <laughs> smells like an old ship. Uh, classic. And then you know, um, beautiful brass portholes, of but course. of course they've got like 60 years of white paint <laughs> just all over them. Absolutely. Um, and. All the original fittings are in the bathroom, but nothing works. No. <laughs> so it's got You're like decorative. this hokey modern stuff just bolted in. Perfect. And they gave us, I mean, I'll say one thing. They gave us the authentic mm-hmm. 1930s water temperature experience. <laughs> you know, it's like lukewarm showers. And I actually mentioned it to the guy and he's like, oh, you just got to uh, run the faucet. When you first go into the room, turn the faucet on. Uh, and by the time you've sat for about an hour or something, you guys, might uh, be bearable. Uh, were you guys chewing jerky and getting scurvy? Is that how authentic? Wow, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's the Queen Mary. It's very nostalgic, yeah. but it is actually, it is a bit of a dump. <laughs> hey, you know what uh, actually turns me on about classic motorcycles that I see? Oh, yeah. 
turn signals. OEM turn signals from the uh, era. The, the lollipops? Mm. Oh, yeah. well, it doesn't even have to be lollipops, no. but the OEM turn signals of whatever era bike, like a 90s bike. Right. Mm. Mm. Because, like, people, that's the first thing people chop off. Yeah, and it's that, like, yeah. I want that fucking factory shit. Done it's funny you should mention that because I have been doing a little more work on the turbo bike lately. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, and I'm doing some really serious modifications on that bike, but the one thing I am absolutely determined to keep are the original dog dish turn signals on yeah. it. So it's yeah. going to be a full custom turbo wing, but it's yeah. going to have these giant frigging turn signals <laughs> on it just because. Yeah, because it's like, what's the most rare bike of those eras? It's yeah. like a stock bike. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is, is it true in emergency that you can take off the lens cover and make soup for a family of four? Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Or you can use them to make some stylish Elton John style sunglasses but the best thing about having big chrome turn signals on your bike and if you've got them on your bike i challenge you to do this as you're sitting on the bike look at your reflection in the back of the turn signal and you're just so completely badass (laughs) you know it's Mm -hmm. it's the most badass reflection of you you've ever seen in the back of a dish turn signal so hey um i have an update on our trivia question oh yeah so um Katie was the first one to get the yes, answer she was. correct, and I messaged her and said, "Hey, I'm a big fat cheap ass. I ain't paying seventy bucks to send you a free backpack." And she and came. she said, "I figured as much." Okay, <laughs> well, yeah. so she's good. So we all know she got it right. However, closely on her heels was Kyle, who does live in the state. So I messaged him. Oh, right on, Kyle. And he says he listens to us all the time, and he's so stoked because he also rides a Honda. Hey, hey, uh, hey. right on, there Kyle. And he sent me a little happy dance emoji. Nice. <laughs> well, well done, Kyle. So I mean, you're you getting some good swag. And the important thing is, it came directly from Honda. The the backpack and the T-shirt and anything else Liza cho- chooses to throw in was plucked from the vault, which exactly. we were not allowed to photograph. But we can talk uh, about oh, it. Can, can we talk about it? No, he said, yeah, we can talk about it all we want, but oh. no photographs. So mm. it's the real it's the real deal. Ooh, we're running out of time. All right, Ooh, let's uh, take five minutes. Okay. The tops. Two. Time us. Talk about the vault. We didn't even mention the vault. Amazing place. Do we need to talk about the vault on the recording? Right, Briefly. Right Briefly. Now. Just all right, just so you guys know, so <laughs> the vault is not like a little vault like you would think. It is a warehouse with um shelving. And it was kind of like to me, it was like the Raiders of Lost Ark, <laughs> well, and the and the, looking for the Ark, and like bunch of old ghosts come out, no, except, no, super, it, except it, super clean. Yeah, if you at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. it absolutely reminds me of that warehouse when it's mm-hmm. top men are looking at it, and you see the Ark in the box going down this endless way. That is exactly what it was like. Yeah, and you know, cut a long story short, they had one of everything dude we were in the giant warehouse just running around like kids looking at everything and then i realized behind the the row of rack shelving was a chain link fence and i looked through and there was another room the same size also full but it's like oh one of one of highlights highlights one of my favorites NR750. And yeah. you know, I, I'd, yeah, I'd always forgotten about the NR750. I'm lucky enough that I've ridden a couple of them. And I, I You're love fucking them. kidding me. No. Um, God damn, that's awesome, dude. <coughs> not a high power bike. 
No. It's not what you think, but it's, it's super smooth. But it's like, But yeah. I'll tell you what I'd like and you to do, yeah. Nock. Mm-hmm. Um, would you just grab that Tamiya box with the MB5? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Just grab that for me. Yeah. Right? There you go. Yes. Yeah. And what I want you to do is... Oh, just, yeah. Giant. What are you doing? No, just the top one. Did just you, the MB5 oh, the one. one. Yeah, yeah, the small one. <clears throat> yeah, there you go. So if you, in fact, you can do it from oh, there. So you see the motorbikes on the side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see the motorbikes on the side. Just right there on the yeah. side. Yeah. You see the one on the very end. Mm-hmm. Yes, the number two. Yeah, that bike was there. Yeah. The that, actu- that bike. That's an RC. Oh my God. That's that, a 131, that's, 161, or whatever. Yeah, that is. that's Dickman's CB Daytona Wing Inning CB mm. 750 from 1970 <sighs> that bike was there wow. and it looked exactly like that was that, that was that a re- highlight brown is that what it was or? Yes. oh my god it's like a bronze color oh, um man. just like one of everything ton of gold wings um and actually i kind of mm. got once you've seen like 384 gold wings all were next to one another you're gonna like, oh dear well you know um, they got to keep them and, somewhere. <laughs> and I wanted to paint the picture too. It was it was fascinating because in there, but they also had a lot of uh, current bikes that are like press bikes, right? Bikes it's, that they when they're going to go do an event and have test rides. Mm-hmm. Like it was at AMX the Bow, sheer volume. This is like where they just like store a lot of those bikes. So you have a bunch of Africa Twins and CRFs and just you know and monkeys and all that stuff. And then there'd be like. Like a 90s Honda Shadow. Right. And then there's a CBX. And then I'm like, ooh, an MB5. And these are all like going to be like just zero, zero mile. You they're know, brand new, brand new bikes. bikes. And they're yeah. all over. They're in plastic bags. And initially I thought they were like vacuum sealed, but they weren't. You could just lift up the bag and look inside. But of course, they're perfectly preserved because it's a, it's a climate controlled right. warehouse. Yeah. No and fluids or have ever been in a morning. Oh, like no. That. It's yeah. just Amazing. Yeah, they're just sword. Emma goes over and she lifts something. Oh, it's Freddie Spencer's race bike. Blah, 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 you know? blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and, mm. and, and look at the nuts and bolts on that. And you will find that the nuts and bolts on this differ from the previous year model because of the finished tra-la-la. Mm. Meanwhile, Colin's right. eyes are just rolling <laughs> back in his head. It's like, who the hell is this We idiot? could have spent the entire day there. I could live um, there. I mean... Bikes that we don't think of as you know significant or special, like you know just cruisers or something, but they're represented there. There are significant race bikes. There are uh, prototype bikes. Right. There was a fascinating sport bike. It was a race bike with that weird front suspension. Oh, the Tron bike. That instead of having traditional triple tree. And forks. Oh, was it like a girder or something, or a no? It's like a hub center. <laughs> hub center. It was okay, like yeah. a six inch, oh, uh, six inch wide tubing that ran down through the neck and then had a single sided. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. This is, it's based off the Honda, uh, based off the Superhawk. Yes, it's yeah. Superhawk power. Yep. Yeah. But it's I know exactly not. What you're it's a about. prototype. Mm-hmm. Um, that was there. Um, but you know, if you go back. You say that there are some there that you feel aren't significant. Everything is significant. Mm. Because if we go back to the original vision of Soishiro Honda, it's like every bike is important, every customer's important. Mm -hmm. And so even the most humble bikes are important bikes, and that's what I liked. 
Um. Yeah. Yeah. That's that it? single. Yeah. yeah. We saw that. It's the zebra hawk concept. Oh yeah. It's yeah. a fucking cool bike. <clears throat> oh, it's so, super cool um, in the flesh knock. Is it really? Wild. So again, damn, big thanks to Honda and to Colin there for letting us poke around. We may need to try and get in there again sometime because that was fascinating. Well, you know, he seemed. I certainly didn't upset him, and I yeah. don't think you did. So hopefully we might get an invite back. Well, he didn't see me put my butt on bike, so... <laughs> yeah, I know. Good. Well, yeah, I was you... trying to distract him when I saw mm, you hovering. Yeah, Would you keep your filthy mitts off the showroom no. equipment? Okay. Oh, well, yeah. all right. Um, That's fine. All right. Um, we got a couple emails, and I wanted to read one here. I actually had a couple people sent this to me. Uh, thanks, Larry. Thanks, uh, Jacko. Um, Jacko? Um, knock. Yes. You want to pay attention to this? Oh, boy. There's a cool event coming up Labor Day weekend. Mm. Saturday, August 31st, up at Sonoma Raceway. Mm. And it's a vintage bike festival called The Heavy. And they are going to be racing vintage bikes. Um, also having a, let's see, a bike show. So they're going to have, you know, give awards for restoration, Survivor, custom modified, all oh, of that. Cool. Um there's going to be awards, and they're even encouraging people to dress up as if it's 1979. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Yes. Who's bringing the cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> so um, the, you can go to, looks like, it's, it's called The Heavy, and uh, oh, BradyWalker.com slash The Heavy. You'll find hmm. uh, more information there. But this sounds really cool, and to go see some of these vintage bikes racing hey, and I have can, a bike show and everything i can dust trip? off all my 1970s clothes and you know 1979 is my favorite year for vintage bikes true that mm. yeah so, so um yeah th- you guys this looks cool knock you gotta go i probably should you should be a man on the street for us there beep, 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 beep. look what we got here <laughs> uh yeah so yeah big old heavy bikes racing racing um it's gonna be with afm so yeah that oh. sounds cool. So they're going to race a dinosaur class? Is that, is that uh, they bringing that yeah, back Yeah, I guess again? so. I don't know. That's um, pretty cool. Bagel, we got room time for one more. What you got? Yeah, I have an email that's uh, titled, My ECU Got Fried. Oh, no. Oh, ooh, boo. This Damn. is from Ike Spore. Hello, Ike. And uh, Ike writes, Greeting, Misfits. Uh, Ike from West Texas here. In the past, my emails have been a little lengthy, so I'll try to keep this short. About a month ago, my bike, a 2010 Yamaha Raider, wouldn't start Mm -hmm. and was flashing the code for crankshaft position sensor not working properly. After a few tests to determine there wasn't any other issue, as far as I could tell, I finally trailered it to my local Yamaha shop to get them to look into it. I thought I would be having to pay for a $75 part and some labor because I didn't have time to do the repair myself. Remodeling our house, full-time job, three kids, life. Anyway, got a call a few days later that the CPS was fine. Battery and starter relay are fine, but the ECU is fried. Yamaha would sell me one for $700, but I found one on Amazon for around $500, so I went with that. Seller had a very good rating, FYI. Uh, I'll update you guys on the quality of the ECU when it comes in and I install it. But for now, I have a question for Miss Emma. Hello, darling. I was told that due to the proprietary nature of the guts of the ECU, Yamaha will not disclose any way uh, to fix one or to or even get into one to see if there is a way to fix it. Yamaha don't know how to fix it because it wasn't <laughs> made by Yamaha. <clears throat> so he says, is there a way to fix a fried ECU? Is there a chance I could see? sell my used non-functioning ecu on ebay or something mm. and why are they so 
secretive about what's inside the ECU. Well, it's we already magic, established magic smoke. that. Yeah, it's magic smoke. <laughs> so <laughs> the, wait, EC, did, the ECU on your radar is actually made by Mitsubishi. Mitsu, okay. Um, Mitsubishi make 90% of ECUs for 90% of things on the planet. Um, I hate to be the voice of doom and gloom. This sounds hokey to me. Mm. Um, you know, ECUs are tough. Yes, but I have fried, uh, fried an ECU before in my bike. Um, yeah, but there's usually ECU. an underlying issue. Right. It was, exactly. a, it was a bad battery. Right. So if his ECU is fried, there very well could be a bad battery or something else going on in the electrical system. Mm -hmm. Right. But, a yeah. Okay. Well, let's see how this pans out. Yeah. Um, keep us posted with that. But, yeah, Yamaha won't give any specs because they don't know anything about it. It's yeah. as simple as that. Whether you could get anything out of Mitsubishi or not, I don't know. Mm. Um and there's no way to repair an old ECU. Yeah, I mean, there's there's places in Texas, I believe, that reflash them, um, and well, they obviously know what's going on, but well, without that's, that's knowing what's on. wrong with your right. ECU, that's programming it. That's not a programming repair. it. Right. Um, generally, an ECU is solid state, which means right. that they get the the circuit board, they put all the components on the circuit board, and then they pour liquid silicon over the top. Yeah, and ECU. that's it. It's done. And there's a reason they do that. Yep. It, it keeps the moisture out, it keeps the vibration out, mm -hmm. keeps all the stuff you don't want in electrics out. Yes. So that's why they do it, not to mess with your day. And for yeah. anyone who watched the TV series Lost, you know what can happen when the smoke gets out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yep. When the smoke gets out, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> yeah. But yep. no, i got to say, that sounds kind of hokey. Um, it's not the first ECU I've ever put on a bike. But the the thing I'd be concerned about is is what fried the ECU yeah. in the first place, and is it going to fry the new ECU? Because if there's something that's that's taking out took out the old ECU, you want to fix that before you put the new one. In. Oh hell yeah! I mean, yeah. if his regulator's gone out and the thing's charging at 16 volts, right. the new ECU will last about ah, an hour. Right. So <laughs> yeah, check that. Check the the health of the battery. Make sure the battery's good. Um, you know, like I, I the battery that I we're, had. We're just full of joy, aren't we, right? about this thing? Right. Because I mean, the, the battery that I had the problem with that fried my ECU, it had some sort of an intermittent uh, short or or disconnection inside the one of the cells, and uh, and it it was shooting power spikes at, uh, because that's what takes ECUs out yeah, exactly. with spikes exactly. right so I would make a suggestion because you're not sure if it's going to fry it again I would suggest just go to banggood.com oh and buy an ECU there <laughs> that way oh it's okay boy. if it's fried you didn't spend more than three dollars I have a far better idea <laughs> is take the engine out of your radar and replace it with a hamster in a wheel <laughs> and then no. when you know you just feed the hamster once right. in a while no the just Make sure um, shove a ball of foil in the fuse box. I would want to. I would want to say. I don't know how much he paid the dealership for the diagnostic. I would say it's probably an hour. Get them to print out the diagnostic with the codes they found, mm. because I'd want a paper trail on yeah, that. That would be yeah. good. Unfortunately, the thing you've, he's done is if the dealership put in an ECU and he just plunked down his 700 bucks or whatever and mm -hmm. paid the dealership then the dealership should have guaranteed both the ECU and their labor for a year right. that's the normal way yeah. by buying one off of Amazon you waive that for a couple yeah. of hundred bucks yeah and you could be out that so, 500 bucks well you know no this I'm sure it's a good ECU but you need to find out whether I'd right. love to know how many miles on this thing 
Yeah. You know, there's but, missing yeah. information. If it's a well-cared-for, low-mileage bike, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. If it's done a gazillion miles, it might have worn out. But right. generally, ECUs are tough. Yeah, yeah. But my point, though, is that if, if he has the shop replace it and something else is wrong with the bike that fries the second ECU... No, but that would have been covered in the diagnostic. Exactly. If the shop didn't find that, right. and just replaced the ECU and it got fried again, then they'd be on the hook to replace it Exactly. Right. So if, if he takes the $500 ECU that he got off of, of Amazon and replaces that, right. if it gets fried, he's out 500 bucks. And, you know, it's, it happened to me, strangely enough, on a Vespa, mm. but it wasn't a fried ECU. It just kept flashing this weird engine light code mm-hmm. and i couldn't figure it out because mm. you know i was getting these weird codes did you leave your turn signal on or you yes. sure it wasn't that light it wasn't that okay. light um and of course the guy was getting a little bit upset about it mm-hmm. and i found that the uh, the voltage regulator was spiking when it got hot yeah and the only reason i was able to duplicate it was actually getting a hairdryer on the voltage regulator oh wow and then it spiked up to 16 ah. volts and the engine mm. light came on. Yep. I'm like, oh, hello, there it is. Yep, yep. New voltage regulator and off we went. Wow. But that was just a weird code. But the point was, as a responsible dealership, we stood by it. Right. So, you know, um, I applaud you for saving yourself a couple hundred bucks and using a reputable seller. It may come back to haunt you. Check all the other systems of that yeah. bike carefully. Yep. Definitely. Very carefully. Yeah, these these and parts don't wear out. I mean, yeah. that's the, the, the thing with electronic yeah. Well, it's solid yeah. state. I so, mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just to, to finish up the email, it says, one more quick thing. I recently found and watched the entire Twist the Throttle series from Discovery. Mm. Great series. It's a little out of date now, but still incredibly interesting. Goes over the history of the top motorcycle manufacturers in Japan and Italy. Cool. And it says, thanks in advance for whatever answer Miss Emma is able to give. Love you guys and love the show. Except for Knock. Yeah! Yes. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. quit, quit, quit eating right in the microphone. I, lo- I love you especially. Extra. <laughs> Peace out, Ike. Thank you, Ike. I'll give you the Italian Spider-Man of love. <laughs> hey, and um, I wanted to give a quick thanks to Caleb. He sent us a nice pack of items to put out into the donation center. These are There's legit shits, man. Really yes. nice. Some really nice GV... Um, uh, what do you call these? Waterproof yeah, saddlebags. Yeah, the yeah. soft bags. Soft some bags. nice Revit gloves and a really nice uh, whole riding suit. Right. Yeah, All good suit? condition. And so he said, uh, please rehome to someone who can use these items. Thanks. And in PS, fuck knock. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. <laughs> Caleb, thank you so much. My promise to you is that we will make sure these items go to somebody who really does need them. I'm going to be you. honest. Thanks, these, mate. These GV bags are probably going to go to a traveler who needs them, or I may hold on to them and let people use them who are going to go do trips. Right. Uh, some of the stuff I like to hold on to and just loan them because somebody goes on a big trip and then they come home and put their stuff away. And that's um, maybe what happened here. So some of them I might just create like a library and let people borrow. And before we go, (laughs) because we are getting towards that Mm -hmm, time, mm -hmm. I wanted to say a very brief hello to my new friend Graham from Canada land. Uh I did it again. We had a lost soul at the shop on Monday Mm. on his FZ09 Mm -hmm. with a very, very unhappy chain and sprocket set. You mean an FZ09? (laughs) FZ09. And um, we weren't able to do the chain and sprockets that day because we had to get them. 
And so I said, come and stay at Miss Emma's house no. tonight. And so we, we all went out for uh, um, Mexican food that night and I made mm. him a nice breakfast. So you were able to add some more teeth to your necklace? Exactly. <laughs> and, um, what did you do with the body? Yes. <laughs> no. no, I got a very nice, very nice message from Graham a couple of days ago saying he'd made it back safely and his bike is nice. running Good beautifully. Job. Perfect. So, um, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was nice to meet you. So I have new Canadian friends. Yay. There, there is talk, like you know, that snowbirds. I'm actually going to get put permanently on the uh, adventure thing because I'm halfway <laughs> between Cabo and uh, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> British Columbia. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, and I wanted to give a quick Were Were update, Women Writers World Relay. Is this Were Were or Were Were Rura? <laughs> this is a Were Were. Um, we've made it to Australia. Oh, wow. Hey, so we're on a new right. continent now. Where right, kills you. Struth. <laughs> yeah, they made it through Indonesia. Wow. Yeah, yeah job, uh, it's on to Ladies, um, should I say? To Australia where we have almost 700 people signed up to ride. Wow. Well, that's women and men. And um if you cross it's the continent largest twice. it's the largest gathering and in fact their first two days are across the Nullarbor which is really uh western Australia is not the friendly and I'm not not talking about people I'm talking no. about the environment we're talking road trains Yes. Yep, yep. And not a lot of gas stops. And I just, I'm looking at a report um, a few hours ago that they made it through the first day from Perth to Norseman. And um, there were concerns that they wouldn't be able to make it in the daytime and at night. It's extremely dangerous mm. because of all the uh, um, the animals that come out, yep. the kangaroos, and these giant road trains, which are just semis just barreling down the road. Very dangerous. And we actually had to limit how many people could sign up for that leg right. because of its mm. danger. And they've made it to the first stop. So huge relief. That's awesome. And big shout out to the women doing that ride. They are true True and bikers, you know, hardcore bikers. And that reflects, I remember from the very, very early days of World War, the Australian women were just signing up for it in droves. Mm. Um, never had a problem with the Australian uh, members there. Right. So they're doing a good job. We love our upside down <clears throat> friends. And, you know, we still have to, we haven't, we haven't really talked about, but um, guys, you know, in a month, I'm going to be leaving for a few weeks. Oh, yeah. Uh, are you guys going to keep things going? No. Okay. We'll, we'll do our worst. <laughs> yep. I can promise you that. We'll, we'll, <laughs> do, we'll do you proud, Liza. Yeah. Yeah, we got we to gotta get that shit straightened out because... Um, Under promise, and so, uh, you know, don't over-deliver. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I still have a few weeks, so I'm still here for now. Um, I want to just remind everyone, thank you again for being a Patreon subscriber. If you would like to become a subscriber for as little as a dollar a month, you'll help support uh, what we're doing and you'll get access to some of our bonus episodes, including Bedtime Chat with Emma and Miss Liza. Which actually... Miss Liza. <laughs> <laughs> which actually is a boner episode. <laughs> well then. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, a dollar a month, where else can you be in bed with Liza and Emma? I'd pay $100 a month to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So thanks again to all of our Patreon subscribers. You can go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com, and you'll find the links to everything there, including the links to our Patreon page. Yes, if yes, If you'd yes. like to be a, a supporter. Um 
you also find links to our YouTube page, stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, one last tease I'm going to throw out. Mm. Yeah. Well, it'll be a while, but um, let's yeah. just say that Mike and I did some did a thing uh, did a thing that involved a lot of some cameras and some lights mm-hmm. and stuff and you know bagel was the star of our last movie there I'm was sure. a production mm-hmm. well bagler we've got a new movie that's being made mm-hmm. um and uh yeah so we're working on that right now just throwing out a little tease. I'm not going to say what it's called do, or do, what it's about. Does it have a rating yet? Uh, we actually filmed two versions Oh, <laughs> for that reason. Is there an NC-17 version? So yeah, is, there, yeah. is there a cussing version and then there's an I'm extra not, I'm cussing not, I'm version, I'm not revealing right? anything yet <laughs> other than there's something that may prevent it from, that may cause it to be pulled from YouTube. Oh my. So we created a, we did some second shots of stuff just to be careful. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Anyway. You got to log in to see this one. <laughs> Self-censorship. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And, Joe, thank you for coming out and spending the day with us. Oh, thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, man. It was, it was a Appreciate great, it. great day. Enjoyed meeting everyone. Is it, um, is it surreal to be here? Um, Yeah. <laughs> the garage was at full hum today. The people well, were fully got, digging in their bikes. Right, and I got I got more than I expected. I got a nice uh, training on how to uh, ride a, a a bike that is not necessarily bigger, but mm-hmm. and you know it's always fun, Joe, isn't it? But doing the podcast and actually seeing it come together because you know a lot of people think this is very very staged and it's not. We come up with a very basic plan for the show. But and we it's, just wing it. It's it, we wing it. <laughs> yeah, he. Yeah, it I think very he, he saw that. I'm like, I don't, I don't, we're going to yeah. record in a couple hours. It's, I don't know what about yet. We're just going to figure it out. Mostly Emma <laughs> waxing philosophical and me calling Liza an asshole, <laughs> and she telling me to shut up a whole bunch. Yeah, no, Liza what? was sitting next to me, just going, ah, uh, <laughs> suspension, ah, uh, you know, rattling things off, and, <laughs> and hey, it came together. It, there you go. And it always does for whatever reason. But yeah, I would say that's a fair. Uh, I would say that's a fair description of the show, not. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think so. So, um, and I'm going to ask one more thing, because I haven't asked this in a while, and this helps a lot. Tra-la. Hey, um, if you don't mind, um, give us a rating on iTunes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We used to ask for this a lot, and I stopped asking, but it really does help other people find us. So, if you don't mind, give us a rating, and that would be really helpful, and we appreciate yeah. it. Like and subscribe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. I yeah. think we're ready to get out. This is Eliza. This is Nog. Bagel. Emma, darling. Joe. And we're out of here. Cool, cool. Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles of Misfits. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to be here at the Recycle Garage? We really shouldn't do In that. In sunny Santa Cruz, California. <laughs> do you have a mouthful of cookie? I do. <laughs> nom, nom, this nom. is not ASMR. <laughs> do not do that. Not in the least. No. These are good cookies. Thank you very much. Hey, everyone. This is Liza. <laughs> and I'm going to record a new intro. Yeah. <laughs> people don't hate shit on that. People fucking really hate it when you chew on, on, on the audio format. Mm-hmm.